This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting from Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. On yesterday's show, we uh, talked about the Rooseveltian relief bill that Democrats were promising, and we started to get a few reports on it. Well, the bill dropped today, and it's bigger than first reported. Uh, It's about a $3 trillion piece of legislation. bulk of it, about a trillion dollars in aid to states. It's called the HEROES Act because uh, the bill includes extra hazard pay and benefits to uh, people who've been uh, forced to work, essential workers, and to like doctors and medical professionals during this pandemic. But the real heroes, according to Democrats, are probably who else is benefiting in this bill which extends bailouts to lobbyists. This is something we had been uh, talking about on previous shows, how Democrats were positioning to make sure that PPP funding can go to lobbying outfits like the fucking Chamber of Commerce. There's also a provision in the bill that offers uh, Fed lending services to landlords and mortgage servicers. And there's a provision in the bill that provides emergency lending to Debt collectors. Debt collectors. I just want to read this piece of reporting from Politico about how progressives uh, within the Democratic caucus push for uh, what they called the Paycheck Guarantee Program, which would have offered uh, regular payments to people on a monthly basis. Would have been a far more effective program. Pramila Jayapal, she's the uh, head of the Progressive Caucus, Politico writes, pushed hard for the inclusion of the Paycheck Guarantee Program in the new bill, but Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal turned it down, saying the proposal is too costly and complicated. The Jayapal plan, which is backed by more than 60 House Democrats, has a price tag of more than $600 billion for six months. Neal instead supported an extension of the, quote, Employee Retention Tax Credit, backed by Democratic moderates, which still cost more than $200 billion. So they they shelved the Paycheck Guarantee Program and included the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. Democrats also uh, included a the, the SALT tax deduction, which is mainly a, a tax break for upper middle class and rich people to write off taxes each year. The cost of that singular tax deduction, more than the cost of the Paycheck Guarantee Program, which, according to Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal, was too expensive, too complicated. So instead, we got to do the Employee Retention Tax Credit and the SALT Credit. This is just, you know, if 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 you focus too much on this stuff, you'll go mad. It's incredible, just a mess of bullshit and tax credits and a Byzantine mess of programs that are mostly designed to help the rich. Yeah, yeah. And the real infuriating thing about it is, I mean, there are some good things in this bill, some necessary things that need to be passed. But at the end of the day, like this is an opening salvo with negotiations with the Senate. 
And a lot of this stuff's not going to be included in a final bill. And once again, Democrats have already negotiated themselves down from the Paycheck Guarantee Program down to the Employee Retention Tax Credit because it costs a third of the, the price and we can maybe get some moderates on board with this one. They've already negotiated themselves down before they've even headed into negotiations. I mean, if this is going to be a messaging bill, then where's the big robust message? Where's the Rooseveltian message? Not to uh, take shit, things though. back and beat an old ho- beat a dead horse, but I think this is where Bernie Sanders uh, really fell short in terms of pushing back against criticism directed at him. And I'm thinking of specifically how Pete Buttigieg, in his rat-like uh, weasel way, would accuse Bernie of... Uh, Created of of being a my way or the highway guy, when Bernie should have been pushing back and said that Pete, you are defending the status quo. You say you don't defend the status quo, but you're buying into this false paradigm of you have to negotiate before you come to the table, and you're only doing that because you want to negotiate before you come to the table. Because you do genuinely believe in the status quo. And we're seeing that right here. We're seeing that dynamic play out right here. Where, as you noted, there's some good things in this bill. There's money for food stamps, for example, which, like, the federal government should be just fucking dumping truckloads of money on the food stamp program right now throughout the entire pandemic. Um, That's a good thing. But, again... It's paired with a bunch of fucking bullshit like uh, restoring the salt deduction and making sure that lobbyists can get bailout money and shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get on with the rest of the events. It's Tuesday, May 12th, 2020. Here's the news. More data was released this morning confirming the gravity of the economic situation The Bureau of Labor Statistics said that prices fell in April by record amounts. The consumer price index was down 0.8%, the largest one-month drop since the Great Recession, December 2008 to be exact. Meanwhile, so-called core inflation, a measure of price levels excluding volatile food and energy inputs, was down 0.4%. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it was the biggest one-month decline of core inflation in six decades since 1957. Deflationary pressures typically reflect an economy in sharp contraction, as any historian of the Great Depression can tell you. To compound problems with unemployment and double digits, the price of food actually went up last month with grocery stores under siege. BLS said the price index of food at home posted its largest one-month gain since February 1974, a one-month increase of 2.6%. The data suggests that policymakers either didn't take the crisis seriously enough or they're fine with 19th century-style social Darwinism. Either way, it's hard to see deflation and unemployment being this much of a problem right now if Congress voted to cut every person in the country a $2,000 check every month for the duration of the pandemic. Left-wing legislators had called for this, and they were ignored. 
as we heard from the top. They were ignored from Democrats <laughs> as well as ignored by Republicans. Things might also be less dire right now if the Federal Reserve was more generous with its aid programs. We noted yesterday how the Fed structured relief for states, cities, and counties in a way that might price out the most financially distressed parts of the country. Fed Vice Chair Randall Quarles commented on the matter today in a teleconference with the Senate Banking Committee. He said the agency is required to only lend to solvent entities, but that it will still lend to governments whose bonds are downgraded to junk status, that is, if the downgrade happened after lockdown measures started taking place. Quarles said the agency was trying to strike a balancing act here, but he also said this, suggesting that maybe it's best if Fed emergency aid programs aren't used at all. So unemployment is probably at 20% right now. We might be at the start of a deflationary spiral, but we're not judging emergency relief programs based on how many people use them. And if no one uses them, guess what? That's actually good. That rules, actually. Quarles was responding to a question about a Fed lending facility to small and medium businesses. He said the agency wanted to price emergency relief above what the market is offering so it doesn't, quote, crowd out that private sector financing. We're talking about an, an emergency relief program here. The Federal Reserve has a, a so-called dual mandate to maximize employment while maintaining price stability. And Randall Quarles is uh, at the forefront of his mind is the concern of crowding out that private sector financing. Moving on, during a Senate hearing featuring Trump administration public health officials, the CDC's Dr. Anthony Fauci warned that states opening up too soon could lead to, quote, pretty serious consequences. Fauci predicted that areas could see spikes in cases that could turn into full-blown outbreaks. The CDC was scheduled last week to release new guidelines on how states should reopen, but those plans were scrapped. Prior guidelines called on states to wait until COVID cases have declined for 14 days straight before reopening. States have largely ignored that guidance, though. At another point in the hearing, officials testifying could not commit to Senator Bernie Sanders that should a vaccine be discovered, it would be made available for free to everyone. Admiral Brett Garor, who sits on the president's coronavirus task force, promised Senator Sanders that he agrees a vaccine should be free and he'll push for it within the administration. A reminder now that some places of work have never closed during the pandemic, like Amazon, and people have died as a result. The company has thus far resisted inquiries about exactly how many employees have been diagnosed and died of COVID-19. But now a group of state attorneys general are looking for answers. They've written a letter to Amazon calling on the company to turn over a full state-by-state -state accounting of infections and deaths and all the measures the company is taking to inform workers about the risks.
The Supreme Court heard oral arguments today in cases involving investigations of President Trump. One involves congressional committees, another involves a New York grand jury. On the congressional probe case, reporting indicates that four justices are on the fence and that three of them are conservative. Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito seem firmly on the side of President Trump. But as USA Today noted, John Roberts, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh asked questions about balancing presidential powers with the right of Congress to investigate. The one liberal justice who appeared to entertain the president's arguments on this case was Stephen Breyer. He remarked that the congressional subpoenas, quote, go way, way beyond tax returns, a reference to the House Ways and Means Committee's unique authorities. The House Financial Services Committee is seeking the president's personal records to examine possible violations of election finance law and the buildup to the 2016 election. Breyer was less sympathetic to the president in the case of the New York subpoena, as noted by the legal website lawandcrime.com. <laughs> Great name. You got your law and you got your crime. They're both there all in one place. Lawyers for the president argued that a sitting president cannot be prosecuted, as conservatives have believed for many, many years. Breyer argued that the president should have to get courts to shoot down subpoenas on a case-by-case basis. In response, one of the president's attorneys, Jay Sekulow, cited the pandemic as a reason why the president should not have to reply to individual subpoenas. Finally today, would Mitch McConnell use the cover of a global pandemic to jam through dramatically increased surveillance powers for President Trump's corrupt attorney general? Why, yes. Yes, he would. This doesn't sound like the Mitch McConnell I know. (laughs) Senator Ron Wyden is raising alarms over an amendment offered by the Republican majority leader to a surveillance reform bill set to be considered this week. In a tweet on Tuesday, Wyden warned, quote, Mitch McConnell is forcing a Senate vote on an amendment that would give William Barr free reign to look through the browsing history of every single American. If that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. I'm fighting it every step of the way, end quote. This follows a report in the Daily Beast with more details on McConnell's push to expand surveillance on Americans. The Senate could vote as soon as Wednesday on the measure to reauthorize expired provisions of the 2001 Patriot Act most controversial of which being Section 215, the so-called business records provision, which allows the government to collect tangible records from third parties that might be relevant to an investigation. According to the reporting, McConnell wants to expand 215 to include Internet browsing history, meaning U.S. spies could collect the browsing history of all Americans in the same way that they went about collecting telephone metadata of all Americans, before Edward Snowden blew the whistle on that program. The amendment could lead to the administration conducting warrantless surveillance on pretty much anybody. The only restrictions are on questionable targets like journalists and politicians, but spying on them could be okayed with a simple sign-off by the Attorney General, William Barr, again a close political ally of the president. Senator Ron Wyden added that, quote, under the McConnell Amendment, Barr gets to look through the web browsing history of any American, including journalists, politicians and political rivals, without a warrant, just by saying it is relevant to an investigation. Now, prior to the pandemic, the House passed legislation extending the surveillance authorities that had the support of both Barr and others in the Trump administration. The Senate, where reformers held more power, did not take up that House bill 
under the premise that they would consider tough reforms down the road. Well, we're now down the road and McConnell is considering the opposite, ceding even more spying powers to Donald Trump's deep state. And that will conclude the newscast for today. We've got a brand new uh, chip chat coming out tomorrow where we talk more about this story, surveillance in America. We also uh, talk a bit about the Obama administration and whatever the hell Trump was talking about when he brought up Obamagate the other day. So tune in for that. And we've got a brand new Means Morning News on Thursday and uh, the podcast version of Means Morning News shortly thereafter subscriber edition of the garbage can show on friday so we'll be here all week folks we'll be here all week thanks for tuning in we're here in dc so you don't have to be